Isn't diversity a great thing? As we get an opportunity to join together and we are so blessed in this church with so many gifts. Tonight, if you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15, one of my own personal favorites, the vine and the branches. You know, we think about this parable, and it really is a parable because it's a story that is told that has heavenly meaning, but it's an earthly story. And so the Lord speaking to us now as he recounts his plan for you and for me, for us, for the church, for the church age. This is also one of those parables that Jesus himself took time to actually tell us what it means, which we like that, right? We love it when the Lord actually reminds us of what he's trying to say because sometimes we're a little thick-headed. Anybody else thick-headed? I'm thick-headed every once in a while. But in this particular story, Jesus actually gives us all the major parts. Tells us exactly what he's getting at. And it's an interesting study in in humanity from this perspective. We often think that we ourselves are responsible for the things that we accomplish. And as Christians, though we have a part to play in God's plan, we find out that bearing fruit comes from one thing and one thing alone, and that's abiding. It's not you being something, it's you doing something. It is not you getting out and doing more work, it's you staying attached to the vine. It's you hanging in there. It's me hanging in there. It gives us a great picture of our relationship and the responsibility that goes along with it. Because believe it or not, God created every last one of us for a purpose. There's no such thing as a purposeless person. And there surely is no purposeless believer. We've been created in the image of God and for God's perfect plans and purposes. And so tonight, the vine and the branches. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. for the care that you have for your branches. Lord, you love every last one of us, and not one of us is unimportant. Even the disobedient branches, Lord, you love. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the wayward branches that you've pulled out of the mud. We thank you for the healthy branches that have helped us along the way to grow. We thank you for the work that you've done in each of our lives, and we thank you for who you are, that you are indeed divine, and that, Father, you take care of your vineyard. And so bless us, give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to the church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1. Now, this is the seventh 
and the last of the I am statements of Christ. We covered those. Uh, it, it is important as a parable to give it some depth here that I think we should look at it. We looked at it a, roughly a year ago. And it begins this way. For I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So we don't need to wonder, we don't need to make mistakes, we don't need to spiritualize nor misinterpret this. Jesus says from the beginning, I am the vine. And he uses the title for his, for his own self, the I am formula. In the Greek language it is ego eme. And what it simply means that he alone is the cause of who he is. He didn't become it, he is it. He always was, he always will be. He'll never be less than the true vine. And he says, my father is the vine dresser. Father God takes care of every single branch that's growing out of the vine. And I love that. Because I think most of us can look back and we, we've been some wild vines, amen? I had a friend that I went to high school with. He went on to go to college, got a doctorate. And his wife, for a long time, was actually the head wine master at a, at a vineyard in Northern California. And viticulture is one of those interesting things because you, you think about how those vines grow and most of the vineyard stock at this particular vineyard actually came from the Bordeaux region of France. And so they went and took cuttings and propagated those cuttings and then planted them in small little containers and then took all those cuttings and planted them over hundreds of acres. And if you were to travel there today and you look at those vines that are now 10 feet tall, growing across all of those hundreds of acres, you could trace every single one of those vines genetically back to the rootstock of that very first vine that was planted over 500 years ago in the Bordeaux region of France. You see, the life is actually in the original vine, and without it, there would be no Chapelet Vineyard. He goes on now. And every branch in me, so where are the branches? We know who the vine is, right? Every branch that's in Jesus that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And I want you to be really careful here because this passage is often misinterpreted as if God's looking for the pruning shears in heaven to clip people out of the kingdom of God. This is not a salvation passage at this point. Because the word that's translated there, takes away, is actually the phrase ario in the Greek, and it means to lift up. He doesn't take it away, he takes it up. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. So if you're a good, nice, fruit-bearing branch, you can still count on the vine dresser pruning you, even though you're producing fruit. Because there's 
Not one among us that doesn't need a little trimming now and then. Amen? And he's a master at it. He never cuts off too much. He never takes off too little. He always cuts just enough and at just the right time. You know, an interesting thing about vines, if you cut them at the wrong time, you can actually kill the plant all the way back to the root. But if you cut them at the right time, at the right place, you can also increase the fruit. So pruning is a very good thing. Now imagine that God is the vine dresser. Do you think he's ever going to make a mistake when he does any pruning? He's going to prune it at the right time and at the right place. So he says every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away, he lifts it up, he cleans it up. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. And why? That it may bear more fruit. You can see God's not after you to hurt you, harm you, destroy you. He's after those things in our lives that are displeasing to him because he wants us to bear fruit and ultimately more fruit, not just a little fruit. God likes fruity Christians. He loves it when we are plump and fat and juicy and producing fruit. Don't take that too far. And now he goes back to adjusting this taking away statement, which is actually lifting up. It's ario again. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. In other words, you're, you're already lifted up in that sense because Christ was lifted up for us and we who are in him are, are already lifted out of the miry clay. Amen? We're already going to heaven. And so he helps us understand that he's not talking about us losing our salvation or something like that. He, he's simply saying that, that when you get dirty, when your vine falls off the trellis and you know you kind of get wayward and you start to grow along the ground, another thing about vines is if you leave them on the ground too long, they will actually kind of grow into the dirt, but that actually sterilizes them. And so a vine that comes down off of the, the trellis and isn't lifted out of the mud, if it lays in the dirt too long, it won't grow any fruit at all. And so the Lord really is giving us a picture of life in the vine. What it really looks like to be a Christian. In other words, he doesn't want us in the dirt. God doesn't want his, his children dirty. doesn't want his kids laying in the mud, the muck, the mire. And so he now gives us the, the first abide. And you're going to note nine of them in these 11 verses. Abide in me. Now when you see that, it's so important that you understand the, what the word abide really means. In its greatest and most literal sense, it means to make home. It means to establish oneself in. It means to dwell. And so it's saying abide in the vine, dwell in the vine, be in the vine. Not just be around, not just be near, not understand and know about, but literally set up your home in the vine. In other words, be at home in Jesus, not at home in the world, and surely not at home in the mud and the muck and the mire. 
He says, abide in me, and I in you. It's a mutual thing. When you live with someone, you, you know, Connie and I have been married nearly 40 years. She knows everything about me. She can tell by my facial expression if I've had a good day or a bad day or if something's on my mind. And I can tell, she'll ask me, well, is there something wrong? I go, no. And then she'll say, what is it? I, I said, no. Well, what is it? I said, no. There's nothing wrong, you know. She knows me because we abide, we dwell in, we live together. We have communion is another way. We have that close fellowship that we call koinonia. We're a part of one another. We're supposed to be abiding in such a way with Jesus that we are a part of him, he's a part of us, and you can't separate the two. Connie and I finish each other's sentences. I, it's like we have a mind union. What do you want for... Oh, Mexican food. She knows before the words get out of my mouth. It's like we're that close. Now imagine that God the Father has set up His Son the vine in such a way that we live in the, our life in the vine so that we know Him and He knows us. With the end result... Notice what happens. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. In other words, no matter how hard you try, if you cut the branch off from the vine, from the rootstock, from the nutrients, from all that comes from being grafted into the Lord Jesus Christ, if you cut that off, you can't bear the type of fruit that the Lord's talking about. Because it's spiritual fruit. Spiritual things are spiritually appraised. Their worth is known by the Spirit, is what the Apostle Paul said. The carnal mind, the fleshly mind, the mind without Christ can't even know those things, much less do those things. So he says the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. In other words, you in Christ produces fruit. You without Christ produces no fruit. You have to be in the vine. And neither can you unless you abide in me. So again, he helps us understand it. He said, look, you, you get out of touch with Jesus. You're not staying home with Jesus. You're not being in close union with Christ. You're not going to bear any fruit. Now do you begin to understand why Jesus said, By their fruit you shall know them. You see, you can tell when someone's been in close union with Christ because they bear fruit. And if they don't bear any fruit... It's supposed to be a sign to you, a sign to them, that there's something wrong with their abiding. They're not in close proximity. This is so helpful for us as the body of Christ because it's a self-diagnostic tool. When, when just a bunch of flesh and junk comes out of your life, 
That's a sign you're not abiding. It's a sign you're not in close union with Christ. You're over there and you're like strained and you got like one little grape kind of goes boink. That's, that's not a good thing. It's like, here's the work of the Spirit in my life and it's like this single wrinkled like raisin. Yeah, you're saved. But you're not producing any fruit. And God tells us what he wants out of us. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. So he tells us what in verse 2 is described as the branch. He says, you. He's speaking to the disciples. He said, you guys. Disciples, we who are followers. Those who know the Lord. And he who abides in me, see it again. And I in him. There's much fruit. In other words, you're fruitful if you're grafted in. You see, here's why. Because nourishment comes from the Lord. Our spiritual food comes from the bread of life, right? We take in by the Spirit. The Spirit of God, in fact, it is not by might, it's not by power, Zechariah reminded us, But by my spirit, says the Lord, that anything happens in the life of a believer. They who worship him, worship in spirit and in truth. Amen? So what he's saying is, is walking in the spirit is abiding in the vine. By being in close union with Christ, the vine. Bear much fruit, and without me you can do nothing. That's a companion truth to Paul's admonition that by him and through him we can do all things, amen? You see, on one hand, without him you can't do anything, but with him you can do everything. That's because you're in the vine. And everything you need is going to come from the rootstock of the vine, interesting thing about the branches they can only receive what the vine gives them they have no capacity to help themselves with nutrition with water they grow because they're part of the vine you take them off the vine they die instantaneously they'll be dead in a minute the moment you cut them they start the process of turning brown gone and anyone notice verse 6 and I want you to notice this is the only time look at verse 6 and notice that it is a singular statement you have two statements that teach us to abide and one that tells us what happens if you don't so this is the only portion that's talking about someone who's not saved And so it's very clear because it said the one who does not abide in me. So now you're talking about the difference between someone who is abiding and someone who does not abide. That's the only person that gets cut off. It's not a bad branch that's abiding that gets cut off. It's a branch that was never abiding to begin with. He is cast out as a branch and is withered 
and they gather them and throw them in the fire and they are burned. You, you see, it's really telling you that if you abide, you're in, and if you choose not to abide, then you're out. But notice it switches again in verse 7. So if you abide in me, if you dwell in me, you live in me, you walk in me, you talk in me, you be like me, and I in you. And again, you're not saved by doing those things. But if you are part of the rootstock of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're going to be grafted into the vine. These things are a natural outflow of who you are. That's why fruitless Christians have such a very, very difficult time with the assurance of their salvation. Because one of the ways that you know you're a child of God is that you produce a little fruit every once in a while. Maybe it's just a changed attitude. Maybe it's some sin that you now have at least partial victory over, whereas you had none before. You see, don't make it a works thing, because people who are truly grafted in abide, and those who abide can see the work of the husbandman, the vine dresser in their lives. And so you have assurance of what God's done through it. You're not saved by it. You simply have a way to measure it and see it. In my words, abide in you. And you will ask what you desire and shall be done for you. And by this my Father is glorified, notice this, that you bear much fruit. And so you will be my disciples. You see, the goal of the vine dresser is fruit. It's a harvest. It's not just nice leafy plants. You know, if you're in the raisin business or the grape business or the wine business, the last thing you want to do is pay a billion-dollar water bill and get nothing but leaves, right? Uh, nobody does that. So the point of tending those vines to begin with is fruit, not leaves, not sticks, not nice straight rows, not some beautiful pastoral scenery that people pay inane amounts of money to wander around through and go, oh, look, I went to a vineyard. People pay a lot of money to go see bushes. Try and get on the Napa wine train sometime in the fall. It's an impossibility. People scalp the tickets for it. Get the guys down there at the train. Hey, man, want to go see some vineyards? <laughs> Got a seat in row three right here. They just want to go see leaves. All the leaves have changed colors. But in the fall, after the harvest is in, which generally is two weeks long, that's it. It's over. You see, the harvest is already in. The fruit's already been harvested. And if you skip down to verse 11, we're told why this is so important for us. These things Jesus says I've spoken to you. Please read this carefully with me. He's talked about us bearing fruit. 
He's talked about us having some fruit, a little more fruit, and then much fruit. He says, these things, by abiding in the vine, I've told you these things. Why? That my joy may remain in you. There's the first step. That the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, would remain in you. You see, Christians who don't produce fruit have zero joy. Christians who are not fruitful don't have joy. Because you were created to produce fruit. And that your joy may be full. Not just a little bit, but a whole bunch. As a Christian, you're supposed to be fruitful. And that's why when Christians are doing nothing with their faith, they're miserable. Because you weren't created to be fruitless. You were created in Christ Jesus to be fruitful. Let's look at life in the vine, that joyful fruit bearing. You see these baskets, as we can now see, represent you and me. They represent all of the church, every believer. Anyone who's ever named the name of Christ is a, is a branch. You'll notice the baskets here. There's actually four different kinds. There's one basket, and that basket's actually really labeled, if you want to look at it technically, is the no-fruit basket. It's an empty basket. That's actually describing somebody who is about as unfruitful as you can get because they have zero fruit. And you have other baskets, some baskets, that are, that are they have fruit in them. Verse 2, it says they bear fruit. Not much, a little bit. You look in there, it's like three grapes. There's some activity on the branch. It's like a couple of leaves, three grapes. You look at it and go, wow, that's kind of haggard. If I was paying the water bill on that one, probably just chop the thing down. I praise God the Lord doesn't chop anybody down. Amen? Amen? Because there are times in my life when I should have got chopped off. Probably everybody who's in here has walked with the Lord. We could say amen to that, yeah? There's times when it's like two raisins, one leaf. Pathetic fruit. That was the name of our company. The The Pathetic Fruit Company. How'd you like to get a sack? You you get a bag, it's like this big, you know? Looks like it's like two gallons. There's two raisins and a leaf in the bottom of it. I'm the Pathetic Fruit Company. There's some fruit, but surely not enough to please the vine dresser. Remember how he got the vine? Remember how he got the vine? We're grafted into him. The vine became a reality when Jesus said to tell us, die. It's finished. I'm now the vine. From heaven's perspective, he was always divine. But he made the vine available for you to be grafted in when he said, it's done. It's an expensive vine. Paid some major bucks for that vine. Somebody traveled all the way to France and got the only one. 
God's only begotten, amen? There's only one vine as a Christian that you're grafted into. It's the vine of Jesus, his birth, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascended life. We're grafted into that very expensive, one-of-a-kind vine. There's some other baskets that have more fruit in them. They're at the end of verse 2. There's a good yield. And you know Christians that are like this. Maybe you're one in this category. There's fruit. You can see it. It's measurable. Here's the awesome thing about being grafted into the vine. There's always room for more fruit. Always. But it's not dependent on the branch. You see, the branch really can't make that happen. The vine has to make that happen. The vine has to put more nutrients into that branch. And then the branch has to be oriented more towards the sun. Interesting thing in viticulture. The reason they lift the vines up off the ground is so that the grapes hang underneath of all the leaves. And then the leaves shade the grapes from the real hot noonday sun that's directly overhead. And so they don't get prematurely filled with sugar. And so they take a long time. They grow bigger and fatter and juicier. You you see, God prunes His vines. He tends His vines. He, He makes sure that we're covered. He covers us. You see, you want the vine dresser to do what he needs to do to get more fruit. And so when you look back at that vine, when you, when you watch early in the spring, you look at what happens in a vineyard, and you're like, my goodness, there's going to be nothing in the fall. I mean, when they get done pruning a vine up in the Napa Valley, if you drive up there during the spring, you look at it, there's no vines anywhere. It's just a bunch of stumps out there in the field. But if you watch the precision with the way those vine dressers have gone out into the field and dressed every single one of those wonderful vines, these ugly, gnarly, in-the-dirt, stump-looking things, they've all been clipped at exactly the right place so that when they sprout, there'll be more branches. And those branches will be closer to the vine itself. You see, they do that so that there'll be much fruit that comes out of them. And, and then that final basket is the one that has the, the label on it, if you want to say so, great pleasure and great joy. Because it's the much fruit that the vine dresser's after. It's, it's those wonderful baskets of fruit. And which one, I guess, is the question for us, which one's your kind of basket? Is it no fruit? I hope not. I hope not. I hope there's no one in here that there's, there's a, a no fruit sign out in front of your house. I actually hope there's very few of us that can say, well, two grape Jeff is here. I hope at least most of us are in the more fruit category. At least there's something coming out of our lives that's measurable and tangible. And I would pray that actually we're so fruitful 
And here's the thing that's crazy. The reason they support vines with trellises is because they become so weighted down with fruit, they'll actually destroy themselves. Now, metaphorically speaking, you can see the picture. God wants so much fruit that it takes cooperation of the vine dresser, the vine, and the branch. The branch has got to hang in there. The branch has got to abide. The vine will give you the nutrition that you need, and the vine dresser will lift you up, dust you off, get the dirt off you. You know, if you cover a leaf with dirt, you know what happens? Blocks photosynthesis. It'll wither up and die. If you leave the branch, it gets too much water, it rots. So the earth, which is the picture of the world, which is controlled by the enemy, God doesn't want his branches in the dirt. He doesn't want us in the world. He wants us bearing much fruit, so he lifts us up. I ask you a question. If Jesus chose us for abundance and expects abundance, created us to desire abundance, do you think you're ever going to find fulfillment if you're half empty? If you were created to bear fruit, do you think you're ever going to find great pleasure in not bearing fruit? As I look around, I look, I'm looking at the pastors, and I, as I'm as I'm thinking how we're thinking right now, they're all wanting to say, Amen. You know why? Because we have to talk to people who have fruitless lives. And they are miserable. They have no assurance that they're even going to heaven very often. Much less that there's really any reason for them to have joy in the Lord. Because there's no fruit. You want to bear fruit. Jesus is really telling us that there's always more fruit that's possible. But shallow barrenness, it's not going to make you happy. You're not going to have joy. Empty baskets, same thing. You see, I, I think sometimes people are just simply looking for a healthy bush. They, they, they think that a, a nice leafy vine something that looks beautiful. And they do. Again, those wonderful, nice, beautifully manicured, incredibly gorgeous rows of fall leaves in, in, in the Napa Valley, if you go up, drive up through that region in the fall, it's absolutely stunningly beautiful. You have the evergreens kind of on the hillsides and all these gold and red leaves hanging everywhere in perfectly straight rows, and they go over the hills, and they're in perfect lines. People take pictures of them, and they sell them for jillions of dollars. But you know what? That's like a lot of the church, isn't it? Oh, it looks real good. Gorgeous buildings. All kinds of organization. They're Abs- everything they produce looks absolutely first class. Got a great website, but there is zero fruit. No fruit. And people go from place to place to place, and they're just, they've got their itching ears. They just want to go someplace that looks good. 
But they don't want to be challenged. They don't want to be lifted up. They don't want to be dusted off. They certainly don't want to be told that there is any such thing as sin. And they absolutely do not want to be pruned. I can tell you as a pastor, people aren't really all that keen when you talk about sin. Everybody kind of goes, oh, here it goes. It's when I get the emails. Well, you shouldn't be so hard on sin. Jesus was hard on sin. He doesn't want us to walk in sin. He wants us to bear fruit, not walk in the dirt, not get all muddy, yucky. You see, he picks us up. Some Christians just go from church to church to church. They're looking for perfect churches and perfect pastors and perfect people, and they don't ever find them because there aren't any. There is no such thing. If you find that perfect church, please, in Jesus' name, don't go there. You'll ruin it for sure. <laughs> People that are looking for that kind of church, just pride and arrogance alone. Take the whole thing down. I'm convinced that many Christians kind of live their life with the attitude that God's going to help us win and gain everything, but we can do it all on our own terms. It's not so. We've got to play by his rules, do things his way. We make up our little prayers and we ask God to bless our endeavors, but please don't interfere with where my vine's going. I've got a plan, and I'm going right through this mud. It's the shortest route. Yeah, it's muddy, but if I go this way, I'll get there quicker. And so I'm not going to wait on the Lord for my spouse. I'm not going to wait on the Lord to change my I'm just going to keep, well, you know, that, my parents drank for years, and they're fine. They smoked for years. They're fine. They did crack for years. They're fine. <laughs> fine is a relative word, isn't it? Don't lift me up out of the dirt. I like the dirt. You see, we want God to in essence, bless our direction that we're going ourselves. He says, you can't. The vine dresser is going to pick you up out of the dirt, and he's going to prune you. Bless me, Lord, really is our cry. We, we kind of have the, the revised prayer of Jabez. No repentance, no cleaning, no cleansing, no God stepping in and wiping us off and cleaning us up and cutting off what's unneeded. It's just like, just let me get big. We want it our own way. We approach him with our agendas. And we expect to get spiritual life out of our agendas. It doesn't work that way, folks. You won't get spiritual life out of your agenda. You get spiritual life out of being grafted into the vine and being very satisfied when the, when the vine dresser comes along and says, you don't need this, Jeff. You need to let go of that. Oh, you have every right to think about hurt and pain and things that people... But you need to let go of it. That bitterness isn't suitable for the vine that abides in me. That hate, that anger, that's not okay. It's making the grapes sour. It, it, it's sucking the life 
out of the other vines. You can see those kind of people. They're still attached to the vine, but they make the vines around them. They make the branches around them even sickly because they're so infected with the stuff of the world and they will not submit to the pruning of God. And so the whole vine suffers for it. The church suffers for it. God's people suffer for it. Our Heavenly Father cleans us up. And I want you to know, this is within hours of Jesus being tried and put to death. This is what he's telling the disciples. I don't know what you would tell someone. If you were, you were on your death, you are nearing the end. Those are going to be important words. They're going to be the things that are deepest on your heart. I've got to get this out. I need to let you know how I really feel. And it was at that time that Jesus said, Abide in me. And let my Father do what He needs to do in your life. And I want to make it perfectly clear. There's no easy way for that to happen. Pruning is painful. Amen? Can I get an amen out of some of the senior saints? Pruning is painful. Amen? Amen. It's painful. Sometimes some of the stuff that gets cut off, you're like, well, I like that. I've been growing that stupid branch for 20 years. It's like this big around. It's like half of me. That bitterness and anger and hate. I've been nurturing that stuff. Like a big old stump over here. I got an extra stump. Got my stump of bitterness. God's over there. Off it goes. You're over there, but I put all kinds of effort into that, God. I mean, I'm a professional hater. I won Bitter Person of the Year Award. I can suck the life out of anybody. Lord, I've invested my whole life. God's saying, that's ah, got to go. And here's why. There's no fruit. You see, we're to put off all these bitterness, anger, malice, hate, envy, vanity, selfishness. Now you know why all those lists are there. They're the way you can spot nasty, gnarly branches in your life. Fruitless pieces of dried up, ugly wood that are nice and beefy. And here's what happens. When you cut those off, miracle of miracles, all of a sudden you got some new branches come out of there. And they have the ability to bear some fruit. They're no longer putting all their effort and energy into growing more bark. Hard stuff that can't do anything. 
We're supposed to abide in Him. And man, He starts pruning us. He looks at our lives and He says, that's got to go. I really am the God who works together all things to the good. Even if I chop you down to a stump and it looks like there's nothing left. You get down to where there's nothing left to you, you know what's left? All of Him. Amen? More of Him, less of me. And He starts clipping off branches. And we do our whining and our groaning and our complaining and our belly aching and sometimes our crying and our agonizing. I can't believe I spent my whole life growing that stump. And God took out a chainsaw and cut that thing off. Because you know why? We start to actually like that thing. We spend all our time over there caressing that hurt and that pain. And God's saying, it's not helping you grow. And this is going to hurt. Because I'm going to cut half your life off. All your friends that are attached to that, they're going to go. Those people in your life that would drag you back to that place, here he comes with the pruning shears. Clip, 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 clip. They're all gone. You see, they don't do anything to build the kingdom. And God says, if it's not building the kingdom, it's not helping you, it's not helping him. It's got to go. My Father's glorified in this. Jesus says that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. He's not saying that you earn your salvation. He's just simply saying, if you're grafted in, you're going to grow fruit, period. If you're really abiding in the vine. Can I tell you something? God's not done with you yet. God's not done with any of us yet. It ain't, it ain't happening until we head off to glory, amen? And so you can pretty much count on, on Hebrews 12 being your chapter for the rest of your days. He's going to chasten those whom he loves. And you need to kind of look for that because Scripture says if he doesn't chasten you every once in a while, if you think you're all that and you keep going that direction and God never corrects you, you better look and see what God it is that you're following. You know, some people are that close to perfect that they can keep going. They're going to be on their... But not me. Every once in a while, I get a little... Boop, have a little whap upside the head. It's like, ow! What's that all about? Well, it's because your vine's heading towards the mud again. I like mud. But you can't go in the mud. But it's nice mud. It's hot right now. Mud's cool. Anybody else justify their desire for mud? Well, there's no good movies on TV. So this is the best I can do. That's mud. You see, and every once in a while, you just kind of justify that you're heading towards mud. And God says, nope, you're going to need a new TV. 
all of a sudden you see that dreaded blue screen. I told you. Clip, clip, clip. You see, when we're grafted in, he gives us life. When we're grafted in, he gives us strength. When we're grafted in, he gives us sustaining grace, not just saving grace. Please understand the difference between those two things. Oh, you're saved by grace through faith alone and Christ alone. But there's grace that sustains us, keeps us going. Unmerited favor that lifts us up out of the dirt of life and sets us on that beautiful trellis and helps us keep going the direction. He also gives us wisdom. All of a sudden we start recognizing, man, I need, I need to crawl up the trellis a little higher here. I've kind of lowered my view a little bit too close to this earth. When we're grafted in and when we're abiding, he gives us power. You're a unique creation of God. Don't ever forget that. God has wonderful plans. And as he prunes you, as you abide in him, as you submit yourself to that tender care, he's going to do exactly what's necessary to give you joy. Remember what the purpose is of it. It's not to bum you out. It's not to take away your identity. I can't even tell you how many times people have come to me, well, you know, if I get rid of that, I'll lose my identity. If you have to get rid of some flesh, some sin, and and you think that's your identity, then you've got the wrong identity in view. That's not what God wants for you. That's what you want for you. And God's telling you, that's not for you. I want you to bear fruit, and I want you to bear much fruit. And he doesn't destroy by tending his vines. God's not out there just whacking everything off so it can drop to the ground and just lay there. He's doing it so you'll have joy. I'll have joy. We'll have joy as a church. And again, those of us that walk with the Lord and you've been delivered by pruning in your life, isn't it joyful, brothers and sisters? Isn't it awesome? You sit there and you think, oh man, what I used to be, but now I have fruit in that area of my life and I have joy. God wants that for us. Yeah, there's sorrow sometimes, but there's great joy, and that joy is our strength. God has a goal for us. And so he takes our service and makes us more serviceable. Sometimes he has to get out the power washer to his vines, amen? You know, every once in a while, we're, we're like dirty. He's out there, he's got to hose us down pretty hardcore. But here's the thing. He never does any more of that than he absolutely needs to do so that you'll have joy. Not just correction, joy. Not just correction, joy. Those whom he corrects, he loves. So as he's power washing your life, as he's hacking off limbs, as he's clipping branches, it's so that you can produce more fruit, which brings you 
more joy. Because that's what you were created for, is fruit. So in those areas of your life where maybe God's doing something that kind of hurts right now, maybe He's taking you out of a relationship, maybe He's removed what you thought were friends out of your life, Maybe he's taking you from a job that you thought you loved. And it seems like it was unfair the way it happened. Don't despise the pruning. Don't hate the vine dresser. He knows what he's doing. You just look to see where it is that he's going to make that fruit grow in your life. Because he's at work. And he has the Holy Spirit in you to make sure that all of it goes well. You, you may be cut back for a year or two. Happens. When vineyards get really unruly, they cut them way back. Sometimes God's got to cut us way back. But it's for our benefit. And it's for our blessing. I'm going to ask the pastors to come on forward just in case there might be some of you that may have some things that you need to let God prune tonight. Have the worship team come back up. and I want to pray for you and pray with you. Here's the deal. There's a big bonfire that's going to take place one day. And it's going to be all the dead wood that's out of your life. And we're going to stand around and go, thank you, Jesus, that all that stuff's going up in smoke. And there's a reason, and I know that, because Scripture actually declares it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And it says there in verse 12, Now if any man builds in the foundation with gold and silver and precious stones, you can also build with wood, hay, and straw or stubble. Each man will have his work evaluated, the New International Version says, for the day will show it because it's going to be revealed by fire. If it burns up, you weren't supposed to have it to begin with. And that which remains, for that you receive a reward. So the stuff that God prunes off, is because he wants to burn it up, get rid of it. It's not useful for you, it's not useful for him. He wants you to have joy by bearing much fruit. So pastors come forward and as we worship, we're just going to do one song. It's getting a little late. I must be on Salvadoran time or something. Because they go for like five hours for their church services. But if you need prayer, I'll give you a little secret. You won't actually help God out because he already knows what to do. But you can tell him, hey, I think this branch needs to go. Start with this one. it's, It's a bitterness branch and it needs to go. Start with this one. It's an envy branch and it needs to go. Start with this one. It's a covetous branch and it needs to go. Just... 
Tell God what it is that you'd like him to prune. He'll take care of the little stuff, okay? You let him know what it is that you'd like him to do. And he'll do it. He's a good God. Would you pray with me? Let's stand. Let's dim the lights. Father, thank you for your care, for your concern, for your love. Thank you for never cutting too much nor too little. So God, as we close tonight and we end in worship, we pray that you would now move in this place. Pray that refiner's fire would burn away the dross. God, that we'd experience your great joy, Lord, as we begin to bear much fruit. We love you. We thank you. We ask it all in the name of Jesus.